Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book I do the review. Stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Uh, Joining me today, like normal, is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Can you already say that? Um, New Zealand, uh, 24 minutes ago, uh, 2023 began in New Zealand. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Happy New Year. Because it's uh, 12 o'clock. Although now I'm thinking that is, is that actually the right time zone? No, I think, I think that is, I think that is the right time zone for me. I think at 12 o'clock today, we can say Happy New Year to people in New Zealand. I think that's the way it works. And it's past 12. Yes, past 12. So 24, we are 24 minutes into 2023, somewhere in the world. Of course, we've got another, well, we've got another 11 hours (laughs) and uh, 35 minutes to wait until New Year's. And I said in the previous episode, I was like, hey, maybe we'll do another episode before the end of the year. And here we are. And here we are. Uh, some people over on goodreads.com on the SFBRP listener group have shared yes. some of their favourite books of the year, which I will now try and... I wish I should have brought the link up before that. You should. Um, but uh, yeah, Zivin, just, it says here, Zivin commented um, his top three books of the year, The Spear Cuts Through Water. The Gone World and Ammonite, which I don't recognize any of those. Okay, no me neither. Um, uh, says uh, three of the books. Uh, third place, um, Peter Klein's 14, a steampunk novel. So in a much better second place, um, Moren Utang, 11%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a reread of Alan Dean Foster's Midworld. Also so never heard of any some of other these good books. Isabel says, my top three is going to have to be a top one as I've hardly read any science fiction this year, although I've listened to a lot of short stories on podcasts. And the top one is Piranesi by Suzanne Clark, which I think if I think back to a few years ago when I read that book, I think that would have probably been my top book from two years ago when I read it. Was that two years ago? One or two years ago, yeah. Because oh. that book really, I literally read it twice. Like, I know. I read it once, reviewed it, it. And then when you read it again, I was like, I'm going to read this another time. <laughs> yes. Um, somebody else has, has put here as well, um, Clara and the Sun, Rendezvous with Rama, and Venomous Lumpsucker. That's from Soren. And uh, yes, so that's those are some other people's um, uh, top three books. I made some notes here about my top three books of this year. Uh, this year we've uh, reviewed, we've done twenty five book review episodes. Mm-hmm. Although I have read other novels on top of that, which I've either not reviewed <laughs> or they've not been science fiction or whatever. Yes. and uh, and a few of those are novellas, and I've read many novellas which I didn't get round to reviewing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so, I, this, we, this year we... was a novella ca- catching up on some novella year. But we we did record some which became the the shorts yes yeah we did record some short podcasts about novellas but others we didn't or some of them were combined with um other novels you know like i i caught up on the murderbot series like three more novellas there and then the then i talked about them on the the novel show yeah so yeah we did uh 25 but last year we did 35 book review episodes okay so uh last year 2021 was a big step up but i think that was quite a lot of like luke doesn't have anything to do and is just burning through (laughs) burning through order order audiobooks yes uh, and uh but in 2020 only 24 so we, we're back to kind of like uh you the know normal tw- level yeah, normal level no uh, normally i always think oh yes science fiction book free podcast probably about 30 episodes a year is is kind of what's okay. in my brain so okay. i think we did a few more in 2021 and, uh, and and then you know a few less on this year in 2020 but like the 24 25 
per year is like two per month. Yeah, like that's, if I think good... an episode of science fiction mm. book on average every two weeks. Again, sometimes it's like now where we did one three days ago and then we're doing bunched another. Bunched up. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it gets a bit bunched up. Mm. Um, so I was going to say my favorite book of this year was probably the Einstein Intersection by Samuel R. Delaney. Turns out I looked at it, I read that in 2021, so it can't be that one. Oops. Um, so I've, I've gone for like three different different kind of styles. First of all, old novel, which I'm either reading for the first time or rereading and enjoyed the most. I think that was Theodore Sturgeon's More Than Human. Okay. Again, another book where I finished it and then was like, mm, let me go back and, you know, reread some of that middle <laughs> part and then and then listen to it in, in, different, in a different way yeah. all the way through again yeah. a second time. The middle of that book is really, really really good the beginning not so great and the the last because it's like it's like three novellas combined together into one like a fix-up novel and the first sorry the the middle one was the one that he wrote first and is the best and then the other two are kind of attached oh yeah i remember now um then there's like that's also the book that um that was the 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 book you read um long time the the short shorts the individual short stories that you read a long time ago. One of them I'd right, read before. Yeah, yeah that's that what I'm saying. I, I, I'd, yes. I'd read the short sto- or one of the short stories yep. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, I think that's the way it worked out. Yep. Another one, uh, and a combination. So this is actually another kind of, uh, this is like a two for one, is the combination of uh, listening to, or oh, sorry, reading um, Adrian Tchaikovsky's Elder Race novella. Yeah. And then about a month later, listening to the audiobook of Planet of Exile by Ursula K. Le Guin yes. and realizing that they are kind of not the same story, but like playing in the same space. Yes. It would, be, it would astound me. Uh, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's sort of like the, um, what is it when you have, uh, uh, it, it, when two things look very similar evolutionarily and mm-hmm. you're like, well, they're related. And it's like, no, actually, this is from the rabbit family <laughs> and this is from the mole family. Yeah, but yeah. they were Actually, both, very yeah, different. Yeah, they're very, like, you know what, all of the different porpoises and you're like actually no that you know that porpoise is more closely related to you know horses and hippopotamuses <laughs> than they are to whales and you're like yeah. wait they look the same it's like yeah but yeah. They're, they're yeah convergent evolution there we go i've come up with it so so some of these might be convergent evolution but i think elder race is definitely somebody going for the same uh Thing. Yeah, but I, as soon as you have the uh, anthropologists in space, yeah. you kind of end up in the similar kind of yeah, it's, storytelling. It's really difficult not to start yeah. treading on Ursula K. Le Guin's toes when you're talking yeah. about space space anthropologists. Um, so that combination, so you know, of a like of uh, like a long novella and a short mm-hmm. novel, and mm-hmm. and the combination of doing them back to back, like in the the surprise combination, because yeah. I didn't wasn't expecting that. And then I guess the best new novel is probably a version by Alistair Reynolds, maybe because I read it most recently but also i've just not read that many new novels this year which aren't like the typical like hey here's the latest fantasy novel from this series or here's some you know whatever the latest tour wave squeak or kind of book is which you know it's going to be really difficult for them to be the best books of the year for me yes um you're definitely not the the target audience well i am the target audience because i keep buying them i keep spending uh, money on them and (laughs) keep enjoying them mostly but that's that for me is like you know popcorn reading or whatever whereas just like uh, you know uh, a, a standard level Alistair Reynolds write book which is just competently written can <laughs> yeah. like be my favorite book of favorite new book of the year yes um so yeah those, those yeah. are some those are some uh, some highlights from this year an old one a combination of old and new and then a new one so uh, yeah what have you got did you make a list of some um, favorite novels I first had reading? to look 
I first had to look, uh, what books did I actually read this year? Um, That's why I began the Science Fiction Book Review podcast to keep track of books. Before Goodreads existed, I needed a list of books that I'd read and this is it. But I I am not so uh, structured in keeping track. Uh, I then went to all the different apps that I've read books on. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, There was a big chunk uh, during the year in the summer where I read uh, just another few Maisie Dobb books. Yeah, it's quite impressive how every time we sit down for a podcast, the sun comes out and shines, and shines right, straight in my eyes. Anyway, so I read a few Maisie Dobbs books, which I don't keep track on Goodreads because it's just a, an ongoing series that I just casually read whenever yeah, just, I feel like What was the it. last of this series I read? Okay, the yeah. next one is the next book. These are like yeah. kind of Mike kind of pulp reading yeah. books um but i enjoy them uh and i i enjoy keeping track um continuing reading them and i get them on the library app um then i went uh, and looked in the library app i looked in the apple ibooks app i yeah. looked in the kindle app and uh, on goodreads and mm-hmm. on the sfbrp yeah episode list so on all these kind of platforms i figured out i didn't actually read that many books yeah um but the books i read i think um, the order of things would have to be um, Planet of Exiles. Yeah. Uh, because I, I can't keep it separate, but we listen to it together on a trip. Yeah. And that always adds to my emotional attachment. Yeah, of it, book. Can, it can elevate it. Can, it, can, it can elevate it. And so I don't know um, if, if that... Taken away, I would enjoy no, it. You, ha- you can but only have... review the reading experience that you exactly. have. Like, would we have given The Martian by Andy Weir five stars if we hadn't re- read it, listened to it together as an audiobook and I like kept know. on pausing? Yeah, oh, I know what he's going to do. He's going to go over <laughs> to this spaceship and find the radio. You know, like a sort of solve trying yes. to do problem solving along with along with um, Mark Watney. Yes. You know? Um, so I can't take it apart from that. But yes, that's definitely uh, one of the great books I've read this year. Then um, I think also I must just put in um, the Robot and Monk series. Yeah, um, I, was, I look by... back through and which is the only book this year which yes. got a scored a five star rating. And Psalm, a Psalm for the Wild Built, Monk and Robot number one by Becky Chambers. Yes, um, because it fit my uh, urge for this style of reading experience yep. and it... It just makes me comfortably warm and fuzzy inside. Right. Um, and um, so I really enjoyed that. And then the third book would have to be Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky, which I read this year. It's a very good book, isn't it's it? It's a very good book. And I will continue the series with The Children of Ruin, is it? Yes. Um, and Children of Memory, which I, is a book that I finished and haven't got around to reviewing yet. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, that's why it's so disappointing because Children of Time is so good. Yeah. And then you get to the third book and you're just like, <laughs> I mean, no, it's not. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's just, <laughs> it just, harsh. it feels, it, no, yeah, that is a bit harsh. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't bad in that way. Yeah. But it just wasn't what I wanted and wasn't what I was expecting to yeah. kind of wrap up a fun trilogy yes. in that way. And I find it always so interesting to also look at books from the perspective of language. Yeah which is a weird thing to say because books are language, but sometimes the language adds so much to the atmosphere of a book. And I find it as particularly um, outstanding between the two books I've now recently read. Yeah. Between the... um, Ria Aoki yeah. and uh, the A Light from Uncommon Stars. A Light stars. from Uncommon Stars, which I yeah. read as my previous book. And then I started reading a version by um, Alastair Reynolds. And oh my God, like the the language, what yeah. you can do with language. Okay, let's pause there. 
Oh, those. So those are your some. So some, these are my yeah. three main books. But yeah. then also uh, just seeing it from like the not the content of a book, but just yeah, the, the style. The style, which again contributes. So you're leading me perfectly now into my review of this book. As if I would read. have known. As if you would have known. Let's now move on to. Goodreads readers voted for their favourite books of the year. Okay. And there is the favourite book of the year overall. Which is? I can't remember. Oh. Doesn't matter. Either way. But then there's... What then a there's hanger. Well, No, no, I'm just saying. And then it's a reader reader voted thing, which is also the... Um, which is the like like in different categories as well. Mm-hmm. So Goodreads Goodreads choice Goodreads choice award for science fiction 2022. Okay. And I'll just I'll just go down some of these ones. Uh, these are the the winners um, more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, yeah. So actually, these aren't. I thought I was gonna see the see the, the previous category winners from of this category of science fiction, but yeah, it in, isn't. The, in the it's, previous years. Yeah, but it isn't. It's actually I clicked on it. It's a list of all of the winners today. So there's a Goodreads Choice Award for poetry, for young adult fiction, for young adult fantasy and science fiction, for graphic novels and co- comics, the Goodreads Choice Award for history and biography. You know, there's lots of different things. Yeah, for nonfiction, for human humor and here we go sea of tranquility by emily st john mandel uh goodreads choice award for science fiction 2022 okay did you read that one yes that's the book that we're reviewing (gasps) today um Uh and so i thought this is actually a fun way to wrap up the year which is to read on goodreads the award the most award the most publicly voted for award winningest book of science fiction for the whole of 2022 i think this is all new books you know so stuff that's published this year yeah um so uh yes. yeah so that's the book okay i just realized that because of doing this because you stepped on my intro anyway let's i'm gonna skip forward in my notes to what you were talking about now so how about a novel spread through time okay okay so we start off with a sea adventure in you know in, in this case in the in the early 20th century so a guy setting off from england and a- arriving in a place and going on an adventure okay? yeah and then we skip forward in time to about a hundred years to another time frame, and we pick up a story again, like a connected story with something similar, with a similar some connections, and we pick up the same thing. You're frowning at me, people Wait on the people on the second. podcast can't see you framing. I'm currently reading a book. No, no, this sounds exactly like that. this sounds like exactly like Alistair Reynolds' aversion. Yeah, but actually, it isn't. Okay. It's uh, it's uh, um, it's Sea of Tranquility by Emily Mandel St. John. No, what is, which way around is it? Um, Emily St. John Mandel. Okay. Okay. But actually, actually, what both of these books are is Cloud Atlas by uh, David Mitchell. Uh, okay. So we reviewed Cloud Atlas years ago. Yes. Many, many years ago. Many years ago. Many years ago. It was actually one of the early episodes I did with you and we mm. discussed the book. We get, I rated it, I think I rated it five stars. You rated it four stars. We we, we averaged out to four and a half stars. Yeah. This is from memory of like us reading this in 2013 or whatever. Yeah. We also watched the movie and discussed yes, the did. movie on that podcast. Yeah. Um, again, I haven't gone back and listened to that podcast, but what Alistair Reynolds is doing mm. with 
with uh, Eversion, yes. where it starts off with a sea adventure and then like that story ends and then we pick up on another sea adventure which is connected in a way. Yeah. He's going, hey guys, remember Cloud Atlas by David Mitchell? Mm-hmm. And it's that same kind of thing. You start off with some Englishman who's, you know, a privileged Englishman who's going out on an adventure and then we <laughs> skip to somebody else, you know, yeah. and we go forward in time. We catch up with our modern day and then, again, spoilers for uh, uh, both Cloud Atlas and Eversion and also, well, not, not this at all, because it's always in the blurb, you know, Cloud yes. Atlas. You go, it begins with in 1850 with Adam Ewing, an American notary voyaging from the Chatham Isles to his home in California. Um, along the way, Ewing is befriended by a physician. You know, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all the same kind we of thing yeah, that we have mm. in uh, in um, in these other ones. So he says, abruptly, the action skips forward to something, something, something. And there we jump forward along to the coast of the 1970s and onward to a, you know, presently England and then a Korean super state and finally, the stra- you know, some uh, post-apocalyptic Iron Age Hawaii in the last days of history. That's, that's Cloud Atlas. Yes. And Alistair Reynolds in aversion is playing in the same space like okay we're going to start off in seafaring times and Mm. then we're going to be skipping forward Mm -hmm. you know decades or generations or centuries into the future to see what life is like as we skip forward but in this case we keep the same people well again that can happen and if you think about it cloud atlas leans into that too oh, yeah. to the fact that when they did the movie they had the same character you know <laughs> like they had the same actor play like coming like showing up yeah. time and time again yeah you know you've got I, I can't remember the actors of course tom hanks was in it mm-hmm. but uh yeah you have different actors turning up and when they do turn up in a different age uh, yes. you go oh right oh is ah. that a connect oh right Ooh-hoo. so we're meant to think about those two characters either in the same light or contrast them you know that yeah. kind of thing so that's that's no problem there at all like mm-hmm. it's it's this is a known form made famous by cloud atlas which is you know it won the booker prize oh no it you know it was when nominated when was that like this uh, was for 2004, 2004 but, but it's yeah. funny now that like in 2000 in, in 2022 i could read two books back to back or almost back to back not yeah. exactly back to back but aversion yeah. and then straight into this and i'm like wow these two authors like cloud atlas or again maybe cloud atlas is doing something different yeah but in weirdly enough cloud atlas is doing it in a way again I'm, i don't just want to review cloud atlas here but there is there is some uh there is some uh what to say uh like the different approaches yes. means that Cloud Atlas, sure, it's doing something. It's it, it, you could say it's science fiction because you know there's some you know post-apocalyptic stuff and different dystopia in it. Yeah. But really, it's a literary novel doing weird postmodern stuff yeah. and making you reflect and the connections through history. You're like, oh, is that a real connection? Is that really reincarnation? Is it really someone coming back? But it's left open, yeah. and so you're like, don't like, don't worry about that. We're exploring the themes. We're exploring characters and stuff. Yes. Whereas both Alistair Reynolds and Emily St. John Mandel have gone, right, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to have a science fiction-y thing in the background yes. of it. Yeah. And again, I don't want to get into too much details about it because we're into spoiler territory. And I'm but, still reading Aversion. And you're still reading Aversion. <laughs> and, if you, and if you do read um, uh, if you do read Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John, I don't want to give too much of it away, but I just want to say there's a similar structure where mm-hmm. it's set through time. Cloud Atlas is really great because it's like nested. You, you have like the beginning chapter and the end chapter, you, mm. you, go, you kind of go backwards and forth, you know, you, you progress forward and then you go back out of the framing story. Yes. So you're like, oh, are all these frames like frame is um 
uh, Sea of Tranquility tries to do that, but actually then the but by the end of it, she's like, oh no, I've actually got a story to tell here, and then we like skip a you know we do a, another thing, and I was like, oh, it's not it's not quite as cl- it's not as clever as I mean, it's just nowhere near as good as Cloud Atlas. And it's doing something very different from Aversion by Alistair Reynolds. Okay. But it, it's so funny to, again, it's one of those back-to-back reading experiences yeah. where, the thing is, I've read both of these and now all I want to do is read Cloud, Cloud Atlas, Atlas again. again. And, and so do you think this is, um, uh, yeah, I mean, do, do you think this is... Um, uh, What? It got the the choice award Goodreads. Do you think that's like and the outstanding the one outstanding science fiction book of 2022? Oh, no. uh, things I haven't read. Like I say, I've not read enough science fiction books that have come out in 2022 to know okay. that this isn't is or isn't the best science the best uh, science fiction book. Okay. Like I don't think it's the best science fiction book yeah. because as an example of science fiction, mm. it's pretty ru- it's pretty terrible. Like it's not good science fiction, mm. but what it is trying to be, which is like literary exploration of like oh, you know, it's about you know the literary novels like what's it about? No, it's about the human condition mm. and it's about human connections and yeah. it's about, you know, free will and choice and destiny and all those yes. kind of things. Yeah. It is one of those novels. Yeah. And as one of those novels, it's fine. Yeah. As a science fiction novel, like when you get to like the, oh, are we all living in a simulation? What are the, you know, what about the grandfather paradox in time mm. travel? You know, mm. these kind of stuff. It's very, these, very basic. These themes are very uh, um, flat. Well, no, not no, no, flat. not flat, but not very in-depth uh, exploration. It's not that it, it but... It as a as a novel, which it, it's not grappling with those things. Yes, and also it's not grappling with like you know simulation, the simulation theory, even though people have conversations about it. Yeah, and it's not grappling with time paradoxes and all that kind of stuff. It's grappling with what is it like to be a human in a pandemic time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what it's 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 grappling with. Okay, and unfortunately, that didn't resonate with me very much yeah the characters the characters never build the characters it like is are the characters flat and don't develop because they 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 can't escape destiny and even when they want to change they end up being the same people all the time yeah or is it bad writing and not very good storytelling and not very interesting character development okay or is it because it's too close to us also living in a pandemic and not let having me get that onto much that. Let me get onto that. So the uh, thing is, I've skipped forward in my notes to talk about this writing style. Okay, so um, what Alistair Reynolds does really well in this Aversion book, and again, what Cloud Atlas does really well, yeah. uh, David Mitchell doing the Cloud Atlas, is that each chapter that you're in feels very much in that time. Like yeah. we skip forward 100 years and the writing updates, the yeah. language updates, the vibe updates. Yes. Um, to to the point where like sometimes and other authors do this fantastically well as well. You know, you read a book of theirs set in this time, and you go, "This can't be by the same author." It's like, no, they just know what they're doing. Yeah, you know, they yeah. know. And it, I don't find a problem. Like for example, early this year i read um, a fantasy novel or a weird historical novel called 16 ways to defend a walled city oh yes and by the characters the in that comedian yeah what by the comedian no, he's an author no, an author oh uh, yeah no yeah he, i read his previous books it turns out it's tom holt but under a different name yeah uh what let's have a quick look this one uh 
uh, is KJ uh, KJ Parker is the author's name, but yeah. it's a pseudonym by Tom Holt. So I've read his other stuff. Anyway, sixteen. The characters in there aren't talking like people did in you know Byzantium or <laughs> yeah. Constantinople or like where I imagine that was set. You know, yeah. like oh shit, it's like fifteenth century, whatever. You know, thirteenth century, yeah. whatever it is. Sort of yeah. like we don't have dynamite yet, but you know, we're somebody people have got cannons and siege machines. You know, but the people are all like it. Like the the vibe is very like oh these people are like very I don't know uh, they're wondering what's compatible with Marxism and things like that. It feels much more common, you know, yeah. like like no common modern much more yeah. modern but i don't mind it because everyone it's it's only set in one time and it's like great it's totally totally fine that a fantasy story you know i said this before with rhythm of war with brandon sanderson that it's like me, like it started off as like almost medieval fantasy mm-hmm. and he's like speed running the uh, industrial and scientific revolution and they're getting yeah. up to computers and digital yeah. ages and you're like okay it's totally fine that like everyone just speaks like people do in like 2020 when this novel came out or 2019 when the novel came out yeah unfortunately for sea of tranquility there was a little bit of like oh yeah this stuff that's from 1912 like this first story yeah with, with the englishman going over to canada that felt a little bit more like you know well done but also it was narrated but that section was narrated by john lee who i know oh. from uh, <laughs> from other audiobooks and he's amazing yes but then the rest of it we keep skipping forward hundreds of years into the future mm-hmm. and everything sounds the same yeah. everybody's character is the same everybody speaks the same and they all speak like painfully like 2020 or 2021 when this book was was written yes and um, at one point someone says that escalated quickly, which is a quote from, I don't know, like a Will Farrell movie or something, isn't it? Anchorman or something, which now that escalated quickly is like it's, it's so current. It's so current yeah. that it's it's almost a signifier that if someone says that escalated quickly, that we should be in the time span that's set in this novel, because yeah. some of it is set in 2020. Yeah. So and someone said that escalated quickly, and I was like, well, that should be now. And it's like, no, that's actually set, you know, a hundred and 80 years in the future at 202203 hmm. or whatever it okay. was. And I was like, that can't be. And then there, there's all this stuff that's happening in, in 202203. So what? Yeah, like 100, 100, 180 years in the future. Yeah. And what's happening then feels like really current so um you know she goes off and she says oh i forgot my hotel room number let me go and go to the reception to ask my hotel room number now i have forgotten my hotel room number because i i do work travel and i I go into hotels then i go down for breakfast and they're like what's your room number and i'm like you know what i've got no idea (laughs) um like if i go upstairs and walk towards the room i'll remember it but i don't so that's a current problem but you think in 180 years time in like where information is and what where you get information will be like easier than like let me go and ask reception i'm like we're barely at the point where there's even hotel receptions now i was just about to say the uh, the system will probably know where you have been and what room you are assigned before you even know it yes like they keep why, track that's of, what i'm saying like why yeah. would you ever why would keeping who are you like going to a place and yeah. someone saying who are you what's your room number now that's what we have but yeah. that's like a, like this year when we went traveling we were often booking things through the app yes. and we turned up to places and they're like great here's your room here and we're like fine and then we just didn't see them again and left in the morning yeah and everything was taken care of through the app like all the payment was taken yeah. care like uh, we didn't need to worry no about it no checking in no checking i mean the checking in yes you had to get the, well no the, we didn't check in no we 
arrived. Yes. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no receptionist. No, I mean, these, it, were, these were like, you know, Airbnb, uh, booking.com kind of things. But yeah. yeah, other times you just we just turned up and we just typed in a number. Yeah. And, you know, and either way, like... It, it seems, and also they were talking about, um, oh, then these people are, are doing this pixelated face paint to defeat face recognition. And I'm like, wait, like that that's now people are like joking around with painting faces to defeat face recognition. Yeah. But the way that like from these protests in China that happened over the last few months, these COVID protests yeah. and other things, the way that they tracked if people were there would just be like, yeah, did you have, were you there? Yeah, because your mobile phone was there. They like the face <laughs> tracking stuff isn't even a thing yeah because and like if you do have we're wearing face paint to face to face face tracking like in china they just employ thousands and thousands of people to look at footage and just double like cross check and then yeah. those people get yeah. whatever like that kind of stuff and they're saying oh my job is i've been training artificial intelligent translating machines because you know sometimes when they do the translating the the translations are weird so i make sure that the english is correct when it comes out and i'm like that's now yes. that's what like ai what translate yeah. training ai mm. of course this book was obviously written last year because it came out this year yeah but that feels so like painfully 2020 and um, what's another one as well um okay well that's that's what i have there so yeah, and, yeah, and then we done. jump. And then we jump another hundred years in the future, and everyone speaks exactly the same, and it treats it goes exactly the same. So yeah. it's the um, same. It's in the same sense that we've talked about this before. That when you have um, memes or uh, f- phrases yeah. or even um, analogies, yeah, if you if you if you live somewhere in the future. There yeah. will be if you then uh, quote Star Trek or so, yeah. And if that has ongoing, there will have been thousands of more of those things. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: this book is actually references the fact that some things will survive into the future and others. Uh, what literally uh, the same in the same time frame? Maybe not in the same time frame, but somebody has a conversation with somebody, and they say. Um, me me thinks she doth protest too much or whatever it is you know um she protests to protest too much and he's sort of like are you calling me a woman it's sort of like oh yeah you didn't know about shakespeare and then you get sound like oh you didn't know about shakespeare you were in that time frame but you like everyone there knows shakespeare yes but you're from the future and you didn't know this quote from shakespeare yeah. and i'm like so is the will ferrell quote from anchorman that escalated quickly people know that in the future but they don't know basic references from shakespeare right or whatever, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. And I was like, is that, and then I was thinking, is that bad writing that, that she put in unknowingly is just using all language from 2022 mm-hmm. and then commenting that in the future people might not know Shakespeare? Yeah. And I'm like, wh- which way round is it? Yes. Like, is the quote from this book, the, the book inside the book, like, is that quote from Shakespeare or is it from there? They said, well, actually, no, she, it is from that book, but she was quoting Shakespeare in this book. And I was like, but in this book, is this quote from, in the reality of this story, is this quote from this book or is it from Will Ferrell in Anchorman saying that escalated quickly? Yeah. Like, it's, it's sort of like, when does, like, which way round? And I kept on thinking, like, is this all knowingly good writing or is it... Like, is it all a clever comment on this, like, referencing? Yeah. Or is it somebody who just isn't as good as 
you know, David Mitchell and Cloud Atlas, which again is a very high bar to cross. <laughs> yeah. But if you're going to play in this space, you have to do it as competently. For me, you have to do it as competently as at least Alastair Reynolds, who, when he wants to write his ship, you know, his uh, his ship adventure, yeah. can make it feel like genuinely like, oh yeah, this is like reading. I don't know, like a, a Moby Dick or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stevenson and, or whatever it's going to be, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's issue. So no, novels spread throughout time. Um, there is a quote in this book, which yeah. is, what is it like to be an author of a pandemic novel in the middle of a pandemic? That is a question that a character who is an author w- w- is asked. By... An author that sits down, but writes. She she's in on a book pandemic. tour, and she's <laughs> asked, "What is it like to be an author of a pandemic novel in the middle of a pandemic?" Now, here's the thing. Yeah, the character in this book wrote a story that was set like as a pandemic hits or during a pandemic. Yep, and then. As the book, she wrote it a few years before, like eight years before, but then it's being made into a movie. Right. And so it's get it, the publisher wants to do a big push because it's coming up as a movie mm-hmm. and then she can do a worldwide book tour um, as as that happens, you know, as 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 the, the because the movie is coming out. Yeah. As the movie comes out and she's doing this book tour, a pandemic hits. People are literally going, oh, yeah. Oh, and there's just a few cases in Vancouver, but now it's being contained. Oh, London. Yeah, there was a few cases there, but now it's being contained. And she's still on this worldwide book tour. And they're like, oh, yeah, New Zealand. But, yeah, they've got it under control in New Zealand. And so Emily and then, yeah, pandemic hits while she's on her book tour, having written a book about a a few years before about About the the pandemic, pandemic and then it being made... Emily, what's her name? I keep forgetting which way around her name goes. Emily St. John Mandel wrote Station Eleven, yes. you know, back in, you know, 2012 or whenever it was. And then in, I think, 2020, they started making it into a TV show. And it's a post-apocalyptic book where a <laughs> pandemic hits. And then... <laughs> okay. So she writes a book about the book that she wrote. Yeah, she, the way that when she wrote again, the book... I don't mind author insert characters. And it's one of those things where you go, now, is this somebody just you know writing what they know or something it's like me about like thinking about was it tom green and going and his his first novel features someone who is who's doing licensing deals for youtube videos or whatever and you're like john green john green no not john green hank, hank green. green hank green i, I said the who's tom green i, I don't think, know i think tom don't... green's like a comedian from mtv I, from the 90s I don't either know. way um anyway hank hank green's first novel, and it's sort of like okay write what you know but this is th- this book the section, the main character, one of the main characters in this book is someone who's written a pandemic novel, which then, uh, which is then she's doing a book tour during a pandemic. And is she doing the book tour with the actual book that she's written or is it in the book? It's the author. No, no, no. This is not, this is not Emily St. This is not Emily St. John Mandel doing a book tour. This is somebody else called, oh, I, I can't, I didn't write down the names because it, it whatever it is, um, Mirella. No, 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 it's not Morella. Anyway, I can't, I'm just looking, I'm just scrolling down here to see if I can find her. Okay. Uh, she she wrote a book, which is set during a pandemic. Yeah. She's on a tour as a pandemic starts hitting. Yes. And then later on, we get it, what it's like to be, you know, living in lockdown. She's all like, lockdown number 100. So this is, you know, we've had a few of these books where there's, you know, it's, it's, there's some, there's some, we've had, the, you always go through the stuff that I remember the first book that I read, which was like, oh, this is my first science fiction book, which was written 
post 9-11. Yeah. You know, and then you read another book and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, all books from now on can't have, you know, can't have that. Oh, isn't it strange to have a black president? It's like, like no, we've had, we've had the black president of the United States. So now you've still got the woman president thing. Like yes. if you want to do a quirk, you'll put in a, you'll put in a woman president. But, in, but when we have that first woman president of the United States, mm. you can, then you've got to switch over it. Here there's a president of, of China, which you get a few sentences later and it's like, and then she turned to the people on the podium. You're like, ah, very clever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a woman woman president of china you, you, yeah you've done it you're, you're, t- you're ticking off the fun uh, catch people out with the futurism stuff yes. so um yeah that's good so the self-referencing oh so i'm saying what i'm saying to say is like you always get to these points that like when do you like how long does it take to read the first book set after the the world changing thing you know yeah. we've definitely had post donald well actually we've we've had post um who who was the Alaskan senator Sarah Palin? Yeah. So there was there was some post Sarah Palin books that I read where yeah. you're like, oh okay, this kind of like yay America, whatever <laughs> dumb white nationalism America first kind of stuff. But then you've got to go, oh right, now we're a post we're a post uh, Donald Trump stuff. Yeah. We yeah. just watched Glass Onion, which is the uh, the Knives Out mystery novel, the second one. Uh, yeah, and you're like, yeah. okay, we're definitely living in a post Elon Musk world now, yes. where Elon Musk is no longer a cameo in um, in you know when when he was in Iron Man movies, I think he was in one of the Iron Man movies. Yeah. He, you can do a cameo there. Yeah. And you can put Richard Branson in a, in a movie as yeah. doing a cameo. He's been in lots of movies as cameos. But now you can base entire characters on like, oh, we're in a post Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon mm-hmm. Musk kind of world. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And this feels like all right. Beforehand, we'd writ- there was novels set during pandemics, but yes. they were all pre twenty twenty pandemic novels. Yes, and now authors are getting a chance. Spe- and that's what makes it interesting. From Emily St John Mandel, is that Emily Mandel's St John Mandel. Emily St. John Mandel. Yeah. St. John's in the middle of Mandel's at the end. Yep. That she is actually in this privileged position of writing a famous um, a pandemic novel yeah. before the pandemic. Yeah. And then it was made into a TV show during the pandemic. And now she's in this thing. Yeah. Now, this could be amazing. Unfortunately, this was the most mind-numbingly boring <laughs> section of any science fiction novel I've read this year Okay. Or, or maybe ever. Okay. Like all of the worst parts yeah. are, that I disliked about Station Eleven, which I'm like, why are we spending so much time with the boring middle-aged American privileged actor guy who's sort of like, oh, what's the meaning of my life? I'm an artist and I'm so successful and I'm traveling the world and I'm doing whatever I want. I could do whatever I want to do because I've got all the money in the world and I've got all the freedom. I could go and do whatever. Oh, but life is so hard. Oh, what's it like to be an author? People don't understand me. You know, all of that kind of stuff. All of that is wrapped up in this thing. And I'm like, this is terrible. Like I was kind of, I kind of enjoyed some of the earlier section where you're like, oh, what's this weird timey wimey stuff someone sees something and there's a there's a tree and there's a connection and you're like oh what's this tree of life is it mystic because you're going to i didn't know what kind of novel i was yeah, reading yeah. here yeah so is it simulation is it time travel is it timey wimey stuff what is there going to be paradoxes and you get it further enough in you're like oh which of these characters are going to be the same thing you know who's going to meet themselves yeah. back in, you know yeah. all of those tropes which are done kind of clumsily in this book but i could kind of get around you know and then you go oh this character is there and i always like these time travel stuff where you're seeing it not from the point of view of the time traveler you're seeing it from other people mm-hmm. and suddenly someone turns up and they're like oh yes i've got to put all this purell on my hands and they're like what are you talking about and he's sort of like 
oh shit, it's still January 2020, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, okay, so he's the time traveler. <laughs> you know, you pick it up quite clearly, you know, quite early on, but yeah. you're seeing it from other people's point of views. Yes. And you see this interesting encounters and this sort of concert and there's this video and you're like, oh, that video features, okay, so we're, you know, making all these connections yeah. throughout these other sections of the book. Yeah. And then all of that stuff goes, just pull on this, like, pull on the handbrake now we're going to have a very boring very long travelogue of what it's like to be a successful author on a on a book tour here we go strap in this is going to be very very boring and we get very boring now this is only like a six hour audiobook for 45 minutes there in the okay. middle. I was like, holy shit. Like, I almost gave up reading this book. I okay. almost gave up at that point. I was like, I need to ask Audible for my audio audiobook credit back because Goodreads called this the best book of the year and it's terrible. Thankfully, we got like right at the very, very end of that. She meets someone. I'm like, here we are. Right. We're meeting the time travel again. Like right at the very end. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. You continue. Thank goodness for that. And then then that chapter ends and we go off. And I was like, wow, that was 45 minute setup. We could have got to that. Like everybody else kind of got to where they like the scene setting. Who is this person? What is their place in the world? Yeah. Build up to it. You know, something interesting happens or they see something or they meet somebody so weird, like, oh, you have a person who I recognize. And then they disappear and like, oh, what does that mean? You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And here, all of all of this character, like, you know, she wrote an important book in the book, like the book in the book is important. Yeah. But oh, my fucking God, why do we spend so much time? And I was like, yeah, but this is her. Yeah. She wants to talk about what it's like yeah. to be on a book tour. And then later on, we get her and she's sort of like, now what it's like to live during the pandemic. I've got to look after my kid and we get up and we have video conferences and all this yes. kind of stuff. And then that goes on for ages and contributes nothing. And I'm like, why are we spending time with it? And it's because it's her. It's Emily St. John Manda. And I'm like, boring. She's the most, she's author insert and she's the most boring part of the novel. And I want to add something here because I think even though now you say it's boring, I think where that, um, where that feeling comes from is that, you know, if you write a book about alien encounters, mm -hmm. we haven't had that. We don't know what it's going, what, how things are going to act out and what, yeah. what's going to happen. And up until this big pandemic now, mm -hmm. nobody lived through a worldwide pandemic before in the in the same way, like in the 1912, uh, 13s, yes, there was a, a pandemic. But well, no, in, no, it, wasn't like, it was like 1919. Or on earth did yeah and what they were doing and yeah. how they were doing and what they were having a kind of like what yeah, yeah i've told my story about being in new zealand exactly. as the pandemic hits and having to fly home on the last flight from singapore like, yeah doop -doo -doo, i'm yeah. going on a road trip and <laughs> go in hospital hostels and, and go yeah, mountain biking anyway, and i was on, like yeah. yes i was like oh i see where that's going you need to come home now yeah. anyway but because um Books, even when they were written in the 1920s about a pandemic, I think they would have been exciting for the people around, maybe. Mm. But now we everybody went through the same experience yep. and had this experience in one way or the other. Yeah. People had to homeschool their children. Yeah. People were trapped for months and months in places. People uh, didn't 
couldn't work because they were artists and couldn't perform or couldn't travel and couldn't couldn't do all these things. Everybody has these experiences. So reading a book about this, first of all, I think it's too soon <laughs> because yeah. I'm still traumatized. Everybody is still traumatized and and nobody has really um, worked through the trauma yet. Yeah. And we can't like look back to it and say, ah, remember how this was because it's for me it's still yeah, on, it's ongoing still and and also i think it's just we are sick of these experiences yeah, no but here's the thing you could do interesting science fiction about pandemics now here's the thing there's this movie called millennium which came out in 1989 not a great movie if i remember it but what i do remember i don't remember that movie you do remember no i don't oh, you, I, again, I don't think it was a, that popular of a movie. I'd have to look at, you know, production, reception. Mm. Uh, the film holds an 11% rating on the review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah, yeah my, my memory that this isn't great. But it has got this great science fiction premise that it's it follows a um, an air crash investigator mm -hmm. who works out that everybody on the board the plane was dead mm. when it crashed. Yeah. Not not after it crashed, when it crashed. Wet, wild crashed, yeah. When it crashed, everybody on the plane was dead. Mm already mm -hmm. so what's in the again reveal for a, a, a 19 uh, a 1989 book uh, movie it just says here it was, it was based on a short story called john varley called air raid so what you do is you open a time portal in the back of the plane just before it's going to crash mm. you get everybody off the plane mm. they're going to survive mm -hmm. and then what you do is because it's timey-wimey then you take samples of all of them and grow clones of them brain dead clones of them and then go and put all the brain dead clones back in the seat and then the plane crashes everyone board dies right. and all their stories are ended but you've now got for the future when you know i can't remember what it is fertility is not working i can't even remember why okay. they want people in the future yeah but you save people who are going to be on a, on a on a plane crash yeah and replace them so it's it's a it's a fun thing of like how do you do timey-wimey stuff without creating paradoxes yes you you contact places which are or people who are about to die. Yeah. It's the same as the um the the time bureaucracy in the the Loki series, isn't yes. it? Like where do you go if you don't want to disrupt time? You go to places where natural natural disaster is going to happen, yeah. so nothing you do matters there yeah. anymore. Yeah. And the characters do that. And it's touched on in this novel that when they want to go back and you know go, if you want to travel through time or mm. the reason why the these encounters are happening at these weird times mm -hmm. is because they go ah oh, these people are going to die in this pandemic in a few days time mm -hmm. so if we go and talk to them about something you know th these conversations are happening before like just before the spanish flu pandemic in yeah. january 2020 yes. so when's the least disruptive time to go back to it's right before a pandemic hits and the world is turned upside down. It doesn't matter what you were doing yeah. in March of 2020 yeah. because like a week later, everything changed. Yes. So most people, what they were working on or could have been working on, there was a massive disruption in their life. So you can't tell if that massive disruption is due to a lockdown arriving yeah. or somebody fiddling or some disruption in time mm -hmm. travel. That's the best bit of this book. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not, it, it's weird that this is a, an author who is wanting to write a science fiction book about pandemics and lockdowns and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And 45 minutes is talking about a book tour going around the world before before the pandemic hits. Yeah. And it's really boring. Yeah. And it, I wish there'd been a bit more leaning into this idea that 
interesting stuff can happen just before a disaster, be it a pandemic or a plane crash mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's and it's not disruptive. So that's a good place of high drama. Uh, high drama but low consequences, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. And it seems like it's kind of squandered on this book. That because Emily St. John Mandel was somebody who had already written a pandemic book yep. and is now in this kind of privileged position to go, oh, right, we should all read this book because this is the person who written about a pandemic before the pandemic. And now she can write about science fiction in a pandemic, during a pandemic or just <laughs> as a pandemic. It yeah. feels like, OK, this is it. We're going to time to knock it out the park. And yep. she doesn't knock it out the park. Hmm, that's a pity. So we, I've, I've hit on most of my main critiques of this book. Yes. Um. Uh, however, uh, not just the writing style doesn't change very much into the future, yeah. you know, when we skip hundreds of years into the future. Yeah. But also the science fiction is just kind of weak science fiction. They go along and they're like, and then I got out of my hover car and went over here. And I'm like, hover cars, not explained. It's just sort of like, let's just take a science fiction trope off the thing then we go to the time institute and i'm like really we're doing the time institute and you're just going to call it the time institute and everyone has like a mobile phone or something with them and they just call it oh pick up my device oh i loaded my device i waved my device showed me my device and i was like it's okay if you want to like describe what you think a device might be but just saying the device although i did in my own science fiction when i wrote about it i just talked i didn't want to tell you what a computer was i just talked about screens yeah you know yeah you know but then she's talking about oh and then i need to go this file and i need to transfer this file and do this file and I'm like that's not what we're doing anymore the future isn't files like now kids when they go to school or university don't understand file systems or the finder or explorer you know file explorer yeah, yeah. they just go oh no it's just in my google docs well where's your google docs i was like oh, when i open my laptop it google logs me in you know i log yeah. in and it's there where docs oh you click on it there it is so well, you've got to send it to me i was like i did you know no that's the link you've got to send me a file they're like and kids are like tick 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 does not compute just, just don't, don't know yes. what files are yep. like when we share notes with each other like we just have a shared note there's just like there's not a there's not a file system on your phone no there's just but there's apps which have like access. iCloud it's and access, access to a library like yeah. a shared library we have shared libraries and we do stuff yeah sure we sometimes send photos to each other but now apple's doing the family sharing the photo family sharing which yeah i i can't do because my laptop uh, i can't yeah. upgrade my laptop so <laughs> i haven't tried it yet but i want to make it that we just have shared files and we just yes. have shared stuff yeah. again sometimes we'll airdrop stuff to each other yeah but often i just flag something as shared yeah you know and yeah. or like so much and i'm like this is set hundreds of years in the future and it feels dated now because it's not written by like a millennial or maybe it is a millennial it's not written by a gen z or whatever the you know zoomers are or whatever like that yes um and so yeah hover cars and just not knowing hmm. that stuff and then there's this stuff where like we could be doing interesting stuff like there's interesting stuff in the world i remember this once when i read this cory doctorow novel and it's all set in in uh, i think disneyland or disney world one of the two or something yeah. like that and it's really interesting. oh i've got to do queue management at disneyland and we've got to do this and we've got to set up the haunted castle like this kind of stuff and there's like and then he lay and then he went on a trip to a space colony which was this globe in earth orbit which is so big that people could you know float around inside this globe and it was so big you know it was like hundreds of meters across and a thousand people lived in it and you could float around and there was zero gravity gardens i was like wait why isn't the whole book set 
get here? And then even when they're down on Earth, nobody looks up in the sky and goes, oh, yeah, look, there's those, you know, thousand kilometer, you know, or thousand meter across space habitats, which are just floated around where it feels like that's where the interesting story should be happening rather than queue management at a Disney ride, you know. Okay, interesting. And this book feels the same. We spend 45 minutes going around like this book tour and we go from oh and this was a very boring hotel and then i went to stay at another very boring hotel and this hotel was more interesting because i could open the window and i couldn't open the windows on the other hotel and then i went to this hotel and that was boring the same and then i went to this one this had a rooftop terrace which i had a conversation with another author and then i went on to a very another boring hotel and then i got into a taxi and the taxi driver sang and i was like this is the most boring stuff meanwhile they're talking about oh yeah and the colony on titan um on what uh, yeah and then and i'm like oh and there's also people going off to alpha centuri and i'm like the far colonies we've got Wait. we've got we've got space travel which people can go to other stars and, and set up colonies on alpha centuri and i'm hotel? spending time in taxis and hotels on the most boring book t- tour in a in in history that I've ever done that Wait, I've ever read this, about. When is this supposed to be? Twenty twenty. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's spread throughout the history. It's spread hundreds hmm. of years into the future. And there's and the best she can do is flying cars and having a device. Meanwhile, time travel exists. You know, it suddenly dropped. Oh yeah, there's time travel does exist. And like of all the people who have been, ever been put in jail on the moon because we're on a moon colony now. You know, there's hundreds of people in, you know, long term, in in jail long term. And all of it is because they've done illegal time travel. And I'm like, oh, you just you just skipped over the part where time travel exists. And there's a known thing that everybody knows exists and stuff. And then you still think that in this if you if we're living in these times. Yeah. That an author travels from hotel to hotel. How is that the most? And she's like, no, her husband is like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this thing and I'm an architect and I'm setting up this interview. Institute, but like weird they want to set up some like uh you know t- some tunnels underneath the road to the government building or to the intelligence building from the time institute and i'm like oh that could be interesting no doesn't doesn't mention that at 10 again skip forward 100 years and now everybody knows the time institute which is next to the government building on the moon and next hmm. to the intelligence that yeah time travel exists and they've got to keep okay. track of stuff okay and they use it for research hmm. or whatever um meanwhile all, so there's there's it all of this stuff is referenced you know mm. and then not addressed and we're spending time doing the boring stuff this is why i'm saying it's not exciting science fiction you know yeah. it's because the the authors who just put, sprinkle in tropes don't understand that the most important thing that should be happening now now in this novel is that everybody should be going wait a second like and i don't want to talk about file systems but like yeah. you know uh, the, the and they do mention that oh yeah the colonies on alpha centauri are the most important thing but then we get to these other stuff okay but so why isn't she there well again don't want to get into spoilers <laughs> it does come up later in the book so okay. it does come up but i'm like i don't know it's one of those things that like science fiction authors know that if they introduced something which is like world breaking you know that when i talk about yeah. world breaking you're like oh no if you introduce that this, the everything that's happened so far in the story is useless and everything that yeah. all of these problems that everybody has always had have already been solved because you mentioned you did a throwaway line of this technology so 
the, the, some time travel people are going, you know, the time travel station is on the moon, but every time all the action is happening down on Earth. And I'm like, well, how, if you time travel in 1912, like how, how do you get from, or whatever it is, not 1912, like 1918, whatever it is, you know, uh, if you time travel, how do you get, if you're time traveling from the moon, how do you time travel from the moon to the, to the Earth? So time, so it's not just time travel, it's also space travel. Yeah, it's uh, teleportation. Yeah, exactly. So, so I was like, so when they said, so when they created this time travel machine, what they actually did make, what they actually made is a teleportation machine. Yes. And if you're not, if you're not too concerned about paradoxes, and you're like, you want to set up a colony on Alpha Centauri, you can just from the moon, you can just set up an Alpha Centauri colony mm. three hundred years ago. Yes. No, actually, well, no, that's not true. Because the light comes up. Yeah. You can set it up at least four years ago. Let me say, yeah. if you don't need to worry about it, whatever, yeah, if you yeah, set yeah. it up four years ago, because that's what the, 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 light, distance, the, the light travel. The distance is, becomes the past. Oh, yeah, distance becomes, yeah, distance is past. Yeah. So you go, okay, so you can set up a time, you can set up a colony and you can just, and then as long as you wait long enough, mm. as long as before, so if you just say, okay, to travel between the two, you can't do it faster than four light years or mm. four years because mm. that's the speed of light. So if you, if, Again, this is stuff that I think about in science fiction when I read science fiction. Alistair Reynolds does this really great. I don't even want to give away which books he does it in, but he does some amazing time travel stuff where you you can't you you can't you can't go. There's light cone stuff. I did yes. it a bit in my novels as well. If you read Minding Tomorrow and the two follow up books to yeah. that, there are some timey wimey stuff. It's uh, complex. It's complex stuff, <laughs> and th- she just doesn't she doesn't think about that. That if you have time travel, which also allows you to travel through space. You don't like setting up a colony on another planet is really easy. You just need to make sure that you, you know, if you set up, if you're going to Titan, just time travel there, but one second in the past, yeah. but get to Titan. And then you don't need to worry about it because you're more than a light second away mm-hmm. and you could just don't need to worry about it. And I was thinking this breaks everything like the whole world. Like the, the t- if you can also do, if time travel also works as teleportation, you can solve anything, which again, it's fine in a world where that's just, Hey, we can just go wherever we want to, you know, like the Loki TV show yeah. and it's just mad capers and you just want to see Tom Hiddleston like run around <laughs> and you know and meet you know do have fun adventures that's fine if you just want to have a caper yeah. but time travel what makes time travel interesting or what makes science fiction science fiction can it what can make it a fun thing to read yeah. is like in Back to the Future, they're on railway tracks. Yes. You know, and the car is on railway tracks. And when they skip to the future, it's still on the railway tracks. Yeah. You know, it's the same, like, because you have to be in the same place. Yes. That's what makes, you know, Hill Valley an interesting place. It's yeah. because it's all, you're always the with same the same place. people. Yeah. Always with the same place. Yeah. You time travel and you're back in the same square, but it's different. Yeah. And if you just go, well, time travel means you can go anywhere and any place. Yeah. Like anywhere in time and anywhere on earth or whatever like that. So, um, also I'm thinking, people, these people grew up on the moon. So when they go to earth, they've, they've grown up in weak gravity. Yeah. So I, all the time in this book, as soon as the moon was introduced, I was like, all this time, there's like, so these people, she's on a book tour, but she grew up on the moon. And this is like her first time to earth or something, or maybe not the first time to earth, but she how, grew up but on the moon. But then how can anything on earth for her be boring? Well, no, it's boring for me. Oh, and for, but, but her, no, for she, her as well. She's said, also really bored. She's she, also she really said, bored. Oh, with this boring hotel, yeah. and then I went yeah, to yeah, the yeah. next she's boring really hotel. So, and I'm thinking, well, how do you, how do you, like, how do you get to, like, first of all, travel to the moon, whatever, like that. I, we can already get to the moon, you know, mm. whatever. And I'm like, okay, but they're 
they grew up on the moon. Other people grew up on Titan, Mars, and in place. But when they get to Earth, Earth gravity is going to be really affecting them. And it's not mentioned all the way through. It feels like somebody read the book, read the book and said, hey, did you think like some, uh, uh, you know, editor says, yeah. um, I think we should just address the fact that everybody who grows up on the moon, they're like bones. They'll be super tall because, you know, the, the gravity is weaker yeah. and their bones weren't yeah. developed. And you get to this is a big part of many, you know, uh, people from, you know, a different place coming down and the yeah, gravity yeah, is course. not right. You know, yeah. they do it in the in the expanse. You get all the, the skinny people because they were on places where the, the spin gravity yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. set right or whatever. Because there are stationers. Station yeah, the stationers people. are all like yeah, really yeah. tall people and yeah. they get really tall like, key actors to play the yeah. stations and here like right near the end of the book like the last half hour of the book they're like oh yeah and they went past the air purifiers and the gravity machines that made the gravity on the mars on the mars colonies the same as on earth and i'm like really oh that's you just convenient. have gravity machines and i'm like convenient. that solves all the problems like oh, and then it's sort of like well it solves the problem of how did they get to alpha centauri because if you can d- manipulate local gravity fields Ooh, so so everything all the physics yeah all the physics is like all the physics. i mean of course they, they also have time travel so yeah there is obviously space-time stuff going on here, but gravity is curved space-time. So if they can just curve... like, And I was thinking, when you create gravity, what you're doing is curving space-time. And I was like, well, that's maybe how they get around. At some point, they're having this VR seminar on the moon. And she's like, oh, yes, and there's all these people here and there's people on the moon, but also people are watching from Earth and people on Saturn. But and I'm like, and I was like, yeah, no. you're like, yeah, wait a second. Like, what, second? About what about the time, time delay? <laughs> and I'm like, Emily and John Mandel, she either doesn't know about time. She doesn't know about the like, time delay. Like there's a two second delay. <laughs> yes. Back from, I mean, we already had a conversation where I was like, oh, a science fiction author of a, a phone conversation between Earth and Mars. She would be like, yeah, pick our daughter up from school because there's a pandemic coming. So pick him up. And he's all like, okay, if you say so. And I'm like, a good science fiction author would mention that there's a two second delay. Yeah. You know, all of this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, we, uh, we, we, we literally ha- watched uh, um, the uh, For All Mankind yeah. where people had like, th- you have to record the message and yeah. then you have, and you have to, to send painstakingly the message. wait. Again, not from Earth to the moon. No, but, but here's Mars. the other thing. Here's the other thing. For All Mankind, they go to the moon. What's yeah. the first thing that they do when they get to the moon? No, sorry. What's the second thing that they do when they get to the moon? The first thing is plant a flag. What's the second thing that they do when they get to the moon? For all mankind, season. Uh, uh, I don't remember putting up a season. habitat. Yeah, where do they put up the habitat? In the crater. Where is the crater on the moon? Not on the dark side. No, where no. is where is the crater on the moon? In for all mankind. I don't remember. Shackleton Crater. It's the South Pole. Oh, because it, okay. that's where, like, the, the su- you can see the sun uh, yes. if you go up high, like to the yeah. rim of the crater. Yeah. You can always get the sun the yes. entire time. Yes. And if you go down into the crater, there's never any sun, and that's hopefully where they can find ice accumulation. Yes. For All Mankind knows what NASA plans to do, what NASA was planning to do in 2020 or 2019, whenever they made that. Emily St. John Mandel thinks that when we go back to the moon, what we're going to do is we're going to set up a city on the Sea of Tranquility, which is, you know, facing the Earth, just south or just says just south of where, you know, Neil Armstrong lands on the moon. Mm -hmm. That's where they're going to set up an Earth, Earth colony. And it's like, no, because... And she even mentions it, like half the time, 14 days in a row, 14 Earth days in a row, no sunlight. The rest of the time, 14 days in a row, too much sunlight. Yeah. You know, and I was like, so 
Well, it, if we it's know like that, one we of those things that you just think where we know. Like, science fiction that's written in 2021 or 2022 that's published now yeah. I expect just like a, the most basic level of sci- science fiction of science competence to know that like the speed of light exists yeah. you know that if you go back to the moon it's really difficult for me to now to take anything seriously like I don't mind stuff from you know from the 60s or 70s or 80s yeah. or 90s or 2000s they when they go know. to the moon they're like oh where's the moon base going to be well let's set it up next to where Buzz Aldrin you know in view of the earth yeah. but now we've worked actually the, the more efficient orbits we can do mm-hmm. this that it's there's a better things you can yeah. do what is it the halo like just watch like four YouTube videos about the Artemis project or SLS or you know the SpaceX lander and all this stuff it's happening now so yes. again I don't mind somebody being like really on top of it again yeah. like my first my first science fiction novel which I wrote in was it 2000 2008, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I was. I wanted to include current science, science uh, current rocket technology, yeah. so it would feel current. And I included in that the first launches of SpaceX with their Falcon One rocket. You know, yeah. that becomes a feature. Yes. And at the, actually, at the end of that, I was like, and now this person who's got really rich is like, oh, I'll just buy the company. And now that feels like, oh, like I was writing like a, a comedy um, megalomaniac uh, <laughs> billionaire who can just buy a company if he wants yeah. to. And now like it's, it's it feels very relevant. Yes. But, you know, I was making sure that like what the rocketry in there was like based in reality and the, the most current reality that I could, yes. you know. So, yeah, what am I trying to say? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, I do know what I'm trying to say is that as science fiction, this was infuriating because all of this like massively world build, world breaking stuff, this world breaking world building. Yeah. Emily St. John Mendel doesn't care about it because what she wants to do is just write a story about, oh, timey, wimey, what is it like to be a character when you know your own destiny or, you know, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And that could all be, that, that I would have been fine with all of that. But then you're suddenly like, oh yeah, gravity manipulation, time dilation, you know, all this other stuff, colonism of the world. And I'm like, ah, like it's fine to not address all of that stuff yeah. if that's also not what the book is about. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, For example, like you can totally do all these kind of things if you make clear, yeah. hey, this is not our earth, this is not our, but, our, this but is then not I our to, time, this but is that's not a, our this yeah. fantasy or whatever. Then you could do that and people do do that. What was, that, what was the book that I read which was called... Um, I don't know. We read it last year, and it has the book. It's, we have a print of the 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 Jeremy Geddes, the uh, artist. Oh yeah. Um, um, what was it called? Into the pink, into the blue. No. Into the into into something. Into the void. Into the. I'm no. going to now search for it on this page. S- Sarah something. Into. No, it's not. Into, into the quick. Oh, the quick. Yeah. In the quick. In the quick. In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. Kate, and that was yeah. one of those things where you're like, I gave that, I realized I gave that 0.5 stars. Yeah. Um, but it was because it was like, this is science fiction of someone who just doesn't know it. And then they go to another planet. I was like, oh, this is Mars. And it's like, oh, no, it's not Mars. And it's one of those things where you just go, oh, nothing in this book is based on reality at yeah. all. Yeah. But you have to kind of know that and be happy with that. Mm. But it's got a picture of an astronaut on the front cover. Mm. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, it's got a picture of an astronaut. I'm judging this as, um, as a, you know, as a science fiction book. And I shouldn't judge it as a science fiction book. I should judge it as like a character study. And in that case, a retelling of, you know, what was it? Jane Austen. J- yeah, no, Jane. Trident- pr- no, no, it was um, Jane Eyre. Oh, Jane Eyre. Jane, yes. Eyre. Jane Eyre. So Charlotte yeah. Bronte. No, yeah. 
No. no, the other one. No, no. Ah, oh, damn it. Why am I... I all, of, all of those things just, just mixed together in my head. So, yeah. not Bronte. Jane Eyre. Bye. Anyway, yeah. let's let's skip over that kind of stuff. So, yes. in this case, this is somebody who wants to write a pandemic novel, but it won the award for best science fiction this mm. year. So... I have to like I, it feels like it's up to me to judge it as science fiction and it isn't good science fiction it's actually kind of infuriating science fiction now <laughs> yeah. all of this is to say an hour and five minutes into this into this thing yes i actually quite enjoyed this book oh except oh. i know this is Whoa. this is this is the, the big Whoa. twist that I, i've not given away the twist in this book this is like the most basic time travel stuff that you've ever done you know like but it is some of it is fun the some of the things that happen is fun and some of the unexplained stuff is actually fun Okay. And I don't understand how a book which cares so little for science fiction is infuriating and me all the time going, what about bone density of yeah, the yeah, people yeah. who grew we, up on the moon? We already like, went to all the... I, like, yes. All of this stuff was in my head, but because Emily St. John Mandel doesn't give a shit about any of that, mm. I was kind of like, oh, I don't worry about it. I'm just going to concentrate on this you know, guy who's pathetic, but mm. doing pathetic stuff. And this other person, I was like, and, I, and, and halfway through, I was like... Oh, I see. I see what's going to happen. And and it's I, I don't want to mention it to you and I don't want to give it away now. Mm. But like talk about like a character arrives and they say the name and I'm not even going to say what the name is because, again, it gives it away. And I'm like, well, I know who that character is. Like and and it's one of those things that like, you know, when there's things where you can like, you know, I, after the first 10 seconds of the TV show, I pause it and turn to you and go, I know what's going to happen all the way through this. And you're like, wow, yes. it's one of those moments because it's not very it's not sophisticated at all. Yes. Unlike a version by by Alistair Reynolds, where yeah. you know there's some timey-wimey stuff going on there, yeah. but you've got no idea. You, no, it, it, I still it, don't it, have... I'm it, halfway through and I And like, you still have no idea and, and you won't know. Yeah. And that's the thing. I love being made to feel stupid by, yes. you know, 20% of the time I love to feel stupid and 80% of the time I like to feel like, oh, I can see what the author's doing here. And this is the 80%. No, the what made me feel stupid is me going bone marrow density on the people on the moon and then she was like oh we don't worry about that we've got some gravity machines to yep. fix that yep. and i was like Very that handy. made me feel stupid because i thought i was concentrating on the wrong thing yeah um so anyway no it, it's uh, i actually quite enjoyed reading it like not great it's not great like it's only a three-star book but it's not a two-star book and that's that's crossing that two and a half star threshold all well, of this well, after an hour of you like slagging oh my off god the yeah, and then you say ten... this is a three three star book i Except for that 45 minutes, everything else is forgivable because it isn't a book about what it's like to live on the moon. Okay. It's not a book. It, it's hardly a book about time institutes and, and time bureaucracy, mm. although that, that is kind of mentioned. It's it really it's one of those things that, oh, yeah, if you just jump forward and backwards through time enough and, you know, meet people and you see the see the same thing from different enough. It's It's fun. Yeah, you can just get away with it. You're sort of like, I'm going to do barely warmed over a cloud atlas but that is good you know it's like with peter f hamilton going right i'm gonna do hyperion and you're like really you're just gonna do mm -hmm. you're gonna do you're gonna go into a mansion where every room is on a different planet and a different place and you're like yeah i'm just gonna do it and you're like okay and you're like oh actually that, that's enough you yeah. know yeah. sometimes you go james bond yeah but he just he he just goes around shoots and things blows people up and discovers a thing you know has sex with a woman and uncovers a plot and then and you're like yeah and that's fine. Like, that, you know, sometimes you just want sufficient. to watch a Mission Impossible. It's like, yeah, they put they put faces on. So sometimes we don't not, know who they are. You think it's that person, yeah, but yeah, actually yeah. it's yeah. a different person yeah, yeah. with a mask on. And you're like, are you going to just do that every movie? You're like, yeah, every yeah. movie. And you know what? It's fine because that is actually all you want. You yes. Know? And absolutely. in this case, it turns out 
a slightly warmed over cloud atlas with some timey-wimey time paradoxy stuff and do i control my own destiny or not um mixed with a bit of fun pandemic stuff and you know uh, other things yeah that was enough to tide me through all of the frustrations that i had again literally i would give this book four stars now i would give this yeah i would give this book four stars if it wasn't for the extended book tour and Pande- the author in the book four tour. Star- I would give this book four stars if it wasn't for literally the most boring part of a science fiction science fiction book I, I've I've read in many years. Okay, maybe in the future we need what? to switch this around a bit and say what? all of this now at the beginning because I'm sure there will no, be. No, I said all the stuff. I said good be, stuff. There will be messages about. Hmm. You you can't just. Rant Three stars. A whole book through, and then you say, "Oh, if that wouldn't be, I would give it four stars." Here's the thing: all my notes, weirdly enough, all my notes were about the stuff that kind of infuriated me, and I was like, "Is this bad writing, or is it, or is it?" The thing is, all of the stuff which I thought was bad writing is just an author writing a book that isn't for me. You know, it's it it isn't like the book of this type, which is for me, is Alistair Reynolds doing warmed over yeah. uh, 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 cloud, cloud atlas. atlas. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But actually having some like hard science fiction core there, yeah. rather than rather than um, David also Mitchell. Concentrated because yeah, David it's like Mitchell. so concentrated. Yes. Yeah, David Mitchell was doing some hardcore, I don't know, postmodernism. Mm. Uh, you mm. know, disconnected. What is truth? Kind of storytelling. Yeah, and Alistair Reynolds. You know that there's going to be some like hard science fiction core to it even if it feels like cloud atlas you know you start you start reading it and you're like oh he's doing cloud atlas yeah but this is this is like you you already know like at at a certain point you start knowing that it's it's the the anchor point yeah will be somewhere in the hard science fiction yes but with david mitchell i went into i went into cloud atlas never imagining that there was going to be a hard science fiction and that's the thing with that's the thing with this is that it's it's getting a lot of the benefits of doing a cloud atlas kind of stuff Mm. but then also trying to have a hard science fiction well no not hard science fiction a a wibbly wobbly science fiction kind of core (laughs) to it and then all of the science fiction tropes around it are even more wibbly wobbly but it was never trying to be hard science fiction at the start okay and so even though I'm judging, like I say, as a science fiction book, I'm judging I'm judging it negatively for all of those things. What the core of the book is, which is sort of like, oh, what's this person's life going to be? Oh, this is disconnected. Book. Yeah, I just looked it up. I was like, oh, what was that character like? I never really got to the core of them. Turns out characters from another novel that she wrote, like her previous novel to this yeah. called Glass House, I think it was. Okay. They just show up in this book. And I was like, and I was, because I was in that. And I was what? like, oh, that's a really interesting backstory. I want to know more about that. And then it did, they didn't motion. And I was like, well, yeah. that was interesting. But I, I thought it was just coloring. It turns there's a right. whole novel if i want to okay. which isn't a science fiction book which isn't about time it's just no, a, it's a literary a novel about it yeah but then the stuff which like ground on me the most which is this this real life go on a book tour during a pandemic or mm. like what's it like to be an author who wrote a pandemic book mm. that was the worst part of it and that was the thing that was like so like flat on the surface mm. you know all the rest of it felt like ah sh- this whole book would have held together really and then she's like oh no this is my first book after the pandemic mm. i'm gonna put my pandemic mm-hmm, diary mm-hmm. literally i'm gonna put my pandemic diary in here and yep. also the diary that i kept on that book tour that i did which was really boring yes you know and i was like ah literally mm. if that bit had been left out or if those sections had been as interesting as all of the other sections of the guy coming from um oh this she's you remember the previous book that she's canadian and then the 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 main character is from some island in british columbia yeah 
and then goes to Toronto. This character goes the other way around. He comes via Halifax, and then he goes over to British Columbia, and then he goes to Vancouver, uh, Victoria and Vancouver Island. This is in the first chapter. And I was like, oh, she really writes what she knows, you know? Yeah. Like, but you can write what you know in this, in this fun, t- you know, this disconnected thing. Traveling. People go to old New York as well. A lot of it's set yeah. in New York and yeah. going around. Yeah. And then I'm just like, ah. Okay. Like, all of, the fu- are- all of the stuff, which isn't the author writing about being an author during yeah. a pandemic, all of it is perfectly fine, good, timey-wimey, let's explore life okay. in disconnected so, parts. Now, like, getting all this together, you can't just say this is a three and a half star book. There must no, be an three, asterisk. I'm, 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 I'm saying it's a three star book. As long as you don't judge yes, it. Yes, there, there must be an asterisk to it. Because yeah. otherwise it's like, it, you can't compare it to other books that you genuinely... I can, no, I can compare it to I can compare it to Cloud Atlas, which I gave five, four and a half... I gave five stars to Cloud Atlas. Yeah. Even though it's... Even though you could arguably say it's not completely science fiction. Yeah. It's something else. Yes. But then there are lots of books which aren't completely science fiction. Yeah. You know... You've uh, read lots of... Yeah, you go, oh, what about another book where someone is unstuck in time? Let's do uh, Slaughterhouse-Five. Yes. You know, I gave that five stars because it's like amazing. And it's about about someone who, you know, is unstuck in time and is yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. living, the, go, the, doing the, stuff no backwards. Yeah, about that. But then you need to put this book into that perspective. Yeah, and uh, alongside Cloud Atlas and Slaughterhouse-Five, this is is not good. Yeah, so why do you give it three and a half stars? Or because what you I, said? Cause it was short and I mostly enjoyed reading it. Like, what, but what is there then two and a half stars in your no, like... three stars. Because it's above average. I th- I enjoyed it more than average. Because I think maybe it's maybe I was had some Stockholm syndrome about this. That was that, that feels very that, right. like, like just Stockholm get, syndrome just getting exist, past but... just getting past that just getting past the pandemic authors book tour. Just getting past that out the other side of it, You're everything like, felt like a fresh phew. air. Yeah, yeah. First half of it is is a bit cloud atlas. Second half is like, oh right, now let's drill down and do science fiction. But even then, again, that's mm. not the main point. The mm-hmm. main point is like, mm-hmm. how are these mm-hmm. characters going mm-hmm. to interact when they meet, and what is destiny? Hmm, okay. Well, we can say that because you talked an hour about the shortcomings of part of this book, I was excited to talk about them. Okay, that <laughs> makes it something positive, and this is why it's three stars. No, you just got to believe me that it's not a terrible book. It is not a bad book. You, it's you, not you a great science fiction You don't even understand what you just did to me. Like, I just well, I sat a, through, yeah. like, this is, like, literally you saying, oh, this is, like, the worst thing. Like, this it wasn't is, the like, worst thing ever. No, you literally said these okay. things. Okay. And now it's a three-star book. Imagine watching, imagine watching, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. Okay, here we go. Good analogy. Imagine watching table tennis. And okay. going, yeah, but that court that they 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 like they should be standing on the table, but also the table should be like you know you know fifty feet across, and the net should be a bit bigger, and the and the handle should you know the handles on the bat should be a lot longer, and you should have to run for the ball rather than just sticking your hand. So out. they should play tennis. Yeah, you should be playing tennis. So here's the thing: if I'm if I'm reviewing this, if I'm reviewing a, a ping pong match as a table as a as a as a as a tennis match, if I'm if I'm reviewing table tennis as just normal tennis, lawn tennis as mm-hmm. they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's going to get a really, really low review. And also I'm not interested in reading it because I don't know who the famous table tennis players are. Yeah. Like I don't know the stories. I don't yeah. know who to root for. I don't yeah. know like all of the stuff. You don't know the but technique. 
if you show me a highlights reel of like top 10 crazy um uh, oh this is the craziest table tennis point in history and i watch it and they're like and they set it up and it's like, like oh yeah and it was actually on match point or whatever whatever you have in yeah. table tennis that i don't even know enough about to critique or anything like that and i watch it and it's crazy and the ball bounces off someone's head and someone runs over here and gets in the behind the back shot or whatever it's going to be i'd be like hey that was actually pretty good and they're like now how does that compare against the 2008 Wimbledon final between Federer and Nadal? And I'm like, eh, not great. But judging it from what it is and what uh-huh, it's trying to uh-huh, be, uh-huh. three stars. It, again, if it was trying to do Cloud Atlas or if it was even trying to do Aversion by Alistair Reynolds, yeah. it would be like if I was like judge if I was wanting to judge it at either of those spectrums, but it falls in between. It's trying to it's trying to use science fiction to do a cloud atlas, but with some science fiction underlay rather than just sort of like what is truth connection mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. destiny or whatever. Okay. But, it, but yeah, but it's, it's it falls between the two, if you know what I mean. Right. So when people, when you put this podcast out, yeah. I think you need to put this in the description. Spoiler: Luke gave this book three stars. Yes. Now here, now here, now, now here. Listen, for Again, an hour of I wanted to, about I wanted it. to, re- <laughs> I wanted to review this book from the point of view of it winning Goodreads.com People's Choice Award for Best Science Fiction of 2022. Yes, and that is how I approached it. But I knew that it wasn't going to be that because when I read Emily St. John Mandel's um, Station Eleven earlier this year, I was like, this is going to be a post-apocalyptic book about people living through, an, you know, an, a pandemic apocalypse or yeah. something. And it wasn't that. It yeah. was a, uh, it was a, you know, a study of a, a, an American actor, uh, you know, who died, who was the last person to die before the pandemic, mm-hmm. didn't experience the pandemic, but how his life impacted all the people around him. That's what the book was about. Yeah. And it just happened to be half of it set in a pandemic or yeah. a third of it set during, a, uh, like after a pandemic, a third of it set during it. And a third, and it, it was never about a pandemic. It was never a post-apocalyptic book. It was a book about an actor from Can- from British Columbia who lived in Toronto sometimes and New York sometimes yeah, yeah. and was like, had troubles in the movie industry and then went to do Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what the book was about, yeah. which also happened to have some pandemic in it. And what this book is, is sort of like, it is like, well, let's try the unstuck in time postmodern stuff of Cloud Atlas and other people and what are they going to, mm-hmm. you know, what is life and stuff. Uh, and then the science fiction stuff is separate from that. Yes. You know. Okay. It's a science fiction-y as Slaughterhouse-Five is. And you realize, you know, you go through and like, oh, the Tremlofloggerarians or whatever the alien race is like, oh, this is just a delusion by someone with post-traumatic stress disorder. And he's like disassociating from reality to try and get past the firebombing of Dresden in his past. You know, yeah. that, that's what the book is about. Yeah. Like Life of Pi. When you read it, you're like, oh, yeah, there, he, there was never a tiger on a boat. You know, yeah. he just had to survive and he had to kill the people he was with. Yeah. And he blamed it on a tiger that disappeared as soon as any human saw him again. Yeah. You're like, all right, it's not science fiction. It's no. about. But this book is going, oh, it's not science fiction. Oh, actually, it is. But there is time. There is time travel. Uh, but there is time travel. And you're like, ah, by introducing real science fiction tropes and stuff, it it actually lessens what could have been. Like if this had stayed Cloud Atlas and never really drawn those strong connections and Mm. you're like, 
oh, just work it out. Mm-hmm. The person sets off on a boat and then there's space travel and then he turns up in San Francisco at the end of the novel. You put it together. It's yeah. like that's a better that's a better experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. when the book doesn't just say, oh, yeah, and then this person Spell turned up and that person turns out it was this same person the whole time. And I was like, I knew that halfway through the book when he turned in and you introduced him by the name that you used. You knew the name that you used gave it away halfway through the book. And then it's okay. all like, now let me hold your hand all the way through to this okay. thing. Now, what we need to finish this up. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. you, you now went minutes. to... Last book of the year, last episode of the year. Happy New Year's, everyone. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Thank you very okay. much to all our Patreon supporters for this year. You've been a fantastic oh, yeah. help all Thank the way through. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm I'm still still in play. If you support us for $25 or pounds or euros or New Zealand dollars or whatever, uh, you can suggest the topic. So go to patreon.com forward slash Luke Burridge. The suggesting topic is a, a lot for jugglers as well. Yes. Um, but uh, But also, if you want us to read a book, this this afternoon at yep. five five p.m. Yes. European Standard Time. Yeah. Or have Nobody it is going to listen because no, no, I've but... got to get this, publish oh. it, r- release it, and then someone's got to listen to this point. It's uh, it's almost it too close. You, you can you you in the future you could do you could yeah. go to the YouTube yeah go to my YouTube, YouTube channel, channel and watch uh, a fun w- videos of jugglers of twenty twenty two. Yeah, Patreon.com. You find the link on find the link on patreon.com forward slash Luke Burge. Yeah, you can you can see the top forty jugglers, which is something I've now done for twenty years. I've done Whoa. a poll where I ask all jugglers who you know know the poll exists yeah. to uh, to vote for the top favorite top ten favorite jugglers of the year. And um, in the last two years, we changed I changed the rules because it's pandemic season, and I wanted to try out some different stuff. Yep. And be a good ally. That's what all the all the feminists are saying. You're a good ally. I changed the rules to say that you could vote for a maximum of five men and a maximum of five women. Yeah. Which meant that suddenly, instead of there being like in what some years there'd been one woman of the chart of the top forty jugglers, and once we got up to eight jugglers, <gasps> suddenly eight we had women. like a fifty fifty split yeah. for two years. Yes. Um, but this year I switched it back, and, and you I'm, can see how that turned out. Uh, yeah, and it turned out that. Not 20 women on the chart. Nope. Only 11. Yeah. But still pretty good. Yeah. Better than in the years Better than ever before. previously. Yeah. But the coolest thing is that the number one juggler of the year, as voted by all the juggling worlds, is a woman, Delaney Bayless from the USA. Yeah. She's, she's kick-ass. She's amazing. And I'm so glad that I changed the rules back. Yeah. Because for the last two years, she's been number one. And always the critique could be, or is the, or, or, always the nagging question is, it, was she only number one because she's the best juggler and the most exciting juggler to when she ever she puts out a new Instagram post or whatever? Yeah, everyone goes crazy because she's she's just insane. Yeah, or is she did or could she be at number one because without she, these rules, without the rules put, put that yeah. no, everybody could only vote for a maximum? And it turns out. Nope, she's number one with the same rule set where anyone can vote for yep. any number of any gender. She's Loads legit. of people only vote for ten guys. Yeah, and she's still got number one. Yeah, very good by quite a way. Not as not as clearly as before, but still still pretty good. Nice. And it's so satisfying. It's sort of like such a weight off my shoulders yeah. to go. No, no, no. A woman can be number one without the what is it? The, without the um, uh, what's the one? Affirmative action. Without the affirmative yes. action. Yeah. That without the affirmative action, a woman can still be number one. 
As it should be. As it should be. Yeah. Glass ceiling broken. But I definitely felt that with the changing the rules. It felt like I had to kind of prod that glass ceiling a bit. Oh, yeah. Like we had to, as a, as a whole community, get together and go, look, it can be 50% woman. It's okay to vote for women. Yeah. Let's, let's nudge that glass ceiling and now she's broken it, which is very exciting. Yes. And the whole list is, in comparison to previous years, before the rule, the list is more fun yeah. than it was in those years. Yep. Anyway, and, um, so I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And now what? we're going to have lunch and yeah, yeah, yeah. keep Let's do it. going on with our day. Three stars for the uh, Sea of Tranquility by... Yeah. Um, what's Even name? When, it, when they said it was named Sea of Tranquility, John? I was like, that's where the moon base is going to be. And it was. And I'm like, Shackleton oh, Crater. Bye. Okay. What's her name again? Emily St. John Mandel. Okay. I actually managed to remember which. Well done. In my head, it's always Emily Mandel St. John. And I nope. don't know why. I don't know why. Nope. That's not her Okay. Name. Let's wrap it up there. You can follow me on Mastodon. Uh, links in the show notes. Juliana yes. too. Instagram yes. too. Yes. Uh, email me. And also be my friends on Goodreads. I'm not going to talk about anybody else's review of this book because I... No. We just People don't. give you, it five you, stars. Lots you, of people give it five stars. You can go and see it for yourself. Yeah. Not terrible. Um, That's it. That's it. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next year. Goodbye.